Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump and at widemencantjump.com. Here's the best pod in sports, bringing you all the NBA highlights, analysis, and even some college basketball analysis as well. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New and CamBay.com. You can find this show at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find podcasts, as well at WideMenCan'tJump.com. Now let's go to the flagship program and this episode of Wide Men Can't Jump. Well, son of a bitch. Can you believe it? The greatest pod on earth is off and running. Well, and then it blew up. I, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Can you believe that the <laughs> the, the son of a bitch <laughs> worked on the first try? We're gonna have a moment of silence for the <laughs> for those of you who've listened to the past past few weeks and are trying to figure out why you can something went right. I don't know. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 stunned in stunned silence here. Um, so, all I can say about it is, uh, <laughs> our intro worked on the first try. I'll be a son of a bitch. So Welcome everybody yeah. to Watch Me and Catch Up. I'm yeah. I'm Nate, and joining me this week, as always, my co-host and cohort, the man from up north, beyond the border, Tim Tomrova. Welcome aboard, sir. Welcome, everyone, to the greatest sports pod. In the known and unknown universe, but that start, that's right. Tell you, we're we're roaring now. It's it's only up from here, Nate. Only up from here. And it's the only way it could be. But uh, right now, we want to talk about before we get too deep into the show. We want to take a moment to remind you that this show is brought to you by our good friends at Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC. And Tim, they have been posting new stuff like mad people over at Atomic Comics and Collectibles. You need to go check it out if you haven't already. They've got some 8x10 photos, Boris Karloff uh, 8x10s. You should really see them. They're really interesting. They're only 2 bucks a piece. So you can check those out over there uh, as well. And they're selling all kinds of stuff. That's just, right. and even some Walt Disney Fantasia photos, $2 a piece. Uh, Bella Lugosi. I, I suspect that there is a rea- I suspect there's a reactor leak over there at Atomic Comics where them people are running around. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, American Werewolf in Paris original marquee double sided twenty seven by forty poster. Uh, the frame is not included, but it's fifteen dollars for that poster. They've also got the Gremlins two poster. Uh, oh, that one's goodness. for forty. Uh, just go check them out. Even a RoboCop 2 poster. Wow. RoboCop 2. RoboCop 2. Wow. Yeah. 
I don't know about RoboCop. I got a call, got a call following, though, that RoboCop, I believe. Well, I mean, well, you got to look out for well, RoboCop. He'll well, show up at Capital Combat and staying out of that cage. <laughs> God, I'd almost <laughs> forgotten about that. Uh, I'll never let him forget that. But go check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Uh, they're great people. And uh, here's a couple more things about them. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Again, thanks to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, uh, LLC. Are we, are, is the uh, ownership of that place, is that for public consumption? Or? Uh, uh, Michael Dameron and his wife, Leslie. Yeah, that's the yeah, okay, cause I, I, I just always, every time I, I hear that commercial, I picture them, particularly, I guess, it's the Star Wars tunage, I picture them on Tauntauns and then having <laughs> to cut one open and sleep in it, you know? That whole like, iconic, you know, that... that Beginning of, I guess, it, what is it? The Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah, that's what I picture for some reason. I don't know why, because I'm crazy. But anyway. Well, well, speaking of Empire Strikes Back, man, oh man. Actually, this has nothing to do with Empire Strikes Back, but we'll go with it anyway. The NBA draft was last week. We went over our picks on last Wednesday on that episode. Jeff joined me, and we made the picks. Tim was here as kind of our moderator. Uh, kept the show going, and uh, TR made a run in. Good to hear from him again. And uh, there was a lot to talk about last week in terms of the draft. Well, as as predicted, it was okay for a little bit. Yeah, and it then all be, hell broke loose. Uh, things seemed to be going how anyone thought, and then, well, somebody had to just lose their minds, and off they went, and then everything went crazy after that. Boy, did it. Um, Somebody you know, slipped a roofie, a trade roofie into every general manager's drink, I think. Second-round <laughs> picks were second round picks were being traded like baseball cards. It was nuts. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was a crazy draft. I, I like to think that uh, the New Orleans Pelicans did a great job in their draft, though. They get Zion Williamson. They're able to make a trade to get Jackson Hayes. They get Nikel Alexander Walker out of Virginia Tech. Uh, solid haul for them as their team gets younger. Um, they were able to trade back from four. The the Hawks gave them two picks. The Hawks moved up to get DeAndre Hunter. Um, the Phoenix Suns, though, uh, I know we got some Phoenix Suns fans that listen in. Scott Roberts, uh, Casey King, uh, a couple of those guys, big Phoenix Suns fans. Um, oh, that had to the hurt. Re- the reach of the draft 
at 11. Boy, oh boy. They, um, the Suns really took a, uh, took a reach on Cam Johnson. Oh, man. I, well, I, I not, couldn't figure that out. It's not that he's that he may not turn out to be a half decent player. No, I mean he may be a solid <laughs> player, but they it's could have traded back and got him yeah. later in that draft. They could have got two picks for that for that spot. Yeah, or or whatever. And but no, we're gonna we're gonna show everybody that we in fact know what we're doing when we really don't. And. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a tough pill to swallow if you're a Phoenix Suns fan. A bitter one. It was kind of out of left field. I didn't really, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't see it coming. I was like, okay, you know, and, and they end up taking him there. Uh, Nasir Little fell pretty far in the draft. There was a lot of people who had him slated higher. He falls in the draft. Um, Bowl Bowl goes all the way to the second round. Um and he fell to forty fourth overall in the yeah, draft. Yeah, the no. Nuggets trade to get him. And Taco went. He fell quite a bit. Did he not? Taco didn't get drafted. Taco yeah, fall went drafted undrafted. Or, yeah, he didn't even get drafted at all. So that was a, I suppose, a you know, huge surprise, but a bit of one, I would think. I mean, yeah. Um, a lot of those guys he didn't. On, um, here was what I thought though with Ball Ball, and you'll hear this later in my talk with Jacob Goldstein. We talk about the draft. Um, I don't understand teams in the second round passing on bowl ball. I, I really don't. Unless there's something that you think is going to be there in the second round that, that that you think is a sure thing, I don't understand teams passing on him. Main reason being, you take this guy in the second round and you say, here's a gamble. It may work. It may not. If it works cool. Look at the value we just got. If it doesn't work, oh well, it's the second round. We didn't spend a lot of money. We didn't try to do anything else. Uh, We just went with the second round. We tried a second rounder. Um, I don't understand how he fell as far as he did. I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Maybe there's some injury there that I don't know about uh, that maybe someone can explain to me. I'm not sure, but uh, before we go any further, we do want to also thank our wonderful sponsors here, uh, the wonderful law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again get your free consultation at 1 800 203 9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. So, Tim, you know, we mentioned Bowl Bowl there before the commercial. What was your thoughts on Bowl Bowl falling so far? Well, 
I don't know a whole lot about him. He only played, what, one year at Oregon? Is that correct? Yeah, he only played a handful of games. Okay, so he's kind of a bit – I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of his uh, allure is uh, purely based on his genetics. On his last yeah, I mean, he's 7'2". He can, shoot, he can shoot a jump shot. Maybe um, a little skinnier than people would want, but – uh, and the injury probably scared some people off, but uh, I mean, in the second round, why not take a gamble? Like I can understand oh, not using your first round pick on him, yeah, but in the second kind of round, why not? Isn't that what the second round is kind of for? Yeah, really? and, and he you fell know, pretty you... far in the second round. He was halfway through the second round when he got picked. I mean, you smack your, you know, you take your shot with your first round picks, and then after that, it's kind of a shot in the dark anyway. So why? Oh, why not go with a shot in the dark of somebody who, if he does pan out, is really going to be something, or should be. Yeah, and uh, the Denver Nuggets ended up with him. And the Denver Nuggets, you know, they he took a flyer on Michael Porter Jr. last year. He sat the whole year, did not play at all last year. This will be his rookie season coming up. I'm I'm trying – I'm wondering if he'll actually play um, this season coming. Depends on his injury, but – um, they're going to do with Bowl Bowl probably what they did with him and just kind of let him sit um, because the Nuggets are you know a very good team and if the Nuggets are able to keep this team together and let's just say Michael Porter and Bowl Bowl both pan out look out that's all I can say. So I mean, who who picked him again? The Denver Nuggets traded to get him. I know somebody else picked him and that was another thing people were bringing up was. This whole draft, you know, you trade this guy, this guy gets traded, this pick gets traded, and you're looking at the uh, the hats people are putting on. Like DeAndre Hunter was picked. Uh, the Lakers drafted him technically. That pick was traded to the Pelicans, who traded, to, traded it to the Hawks. So technically the Hawks had the fourth pick, but he put on a Lakers hat um, at the draft. So it's not making a lot of sense to guys up there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you got you got one there, or a couple actually in the second round. Like uh, Talon Horton Tucker was drafted by the Magic, but that mm-hmm. pick was from Bro- was from Brooklyn via Charlotte and Memphis, and then traded to the Lakers. Well, there you go. You know, so he could have had I mean, six hats they, on up there. Yeah, I mean, what are they gonna do? I mean. Maybe just forego the hat entirely. Maybe. And again, why they do it? They say, you know what? We don't want to. We don't want to do this because the trades aren't official and things can change. And they back out um, on the deals or something. But Tim answered the phone. Sh- then they shouldn't do it. They should, oh, I can't even hear it. I got headphones on. I don't even know what's wrong. <laughs> Damn, paparazzi. But they probably, but probably the trade be. goes. That must be uh, it. Must be Adam Silver calling to ask our opinions. Um, but needy bugger. A lot of people are saying, you know what? We know where they're going. Give them the right hat. Let them put on yeah, the, what, the hat. Why don't they just team. make it so that the trades can't be announced until they're actually officially traded? How about that? Well, then, but then that takes away half of the fun on trading the picks at the draft. Well then, move then move a date somewhere so that it, it all works out because the way they do it is kind of it is a little bit. It's silly. a little silly. I get it, but I mean I don't know. There's got to be another way to do it. I'm just not sure. 
I don't know what it would be, but I don't either. But overall, the NBA draft. Uh, I do want to say this when it comes to the draft. Son of a bitch, the NBA draft was long this year. Good God. It, it started sure at seven seemed th- like it. It started at 7.30. That bastard did not end until 12.30 at night. I had to, yeah. Too long. That's ridiculous. Too long. The first round, and, and I love the NBA draft. I'm not knocking the draft. I love it. I love watching it. I love, you know, trying to keep up with everything. I love the trades, the moves. I love it. I enjoy the hell out of it. But by 11 o'clock, I was tired of the NBA draft because we're deep in the second round, and there's guys getting drafted. That I'm, you know, I know who they are, but how many times did you get, okay, uh, I don't know, Cleveland is on the, on the board, and a minute and a half would go by, and they'd trade the pick. Yeah. And then, you know, so then it reloads the clock. And, yeah, I mean, not to knock anybody who gets picked in the second round, but. No, I'm not knocking that at all. Get get it moving a little bit. It, we don't have to have the, the options are all in the first round. Who are we kidding? Let Make the picks and get it moving. Don't make those poor. Yeah, and I'm on not, top of it, too, don't make those poor bastards all sit there for that long. That's got to be hell on wheels. Well, so they. <laughs> They all assumed that these guys would have gotten drafted in the first round near the lottery, but bowl bowl falling was not a part no, of the but, plan. But even anybody who, even if you weren't going to be a first round pick, and you knew you were probably going to be, if you were going to go to like second, to make somebody sit there for four hours is, I mean, it's it's ludicrous, really. There's no reason why it should take that long. Yeah, I think I that I I believe that to be honest. I think it's encouraged. I think it's uh, all network. It's commercials. It's money. It's the same oh, old sure. nonsense as everything else. That well, you know, if it goes four hours, that might be a bit too long, but you know, gets a nice pop in the ratings and all that. So, uh, draft show. I mean, you may be right on that. I don't know. I felt that. Uh, I don't remember. It was just. I mean, it took the. Let's put it this way: it took the NHL. The next night, it took the two hours to do one round. Going yeah. like, my God, it's thirty-one picks. How long? You know, at least unless there was five minutes of discussion, right down to the wire on every pick, which I don't. You know, that that's not the is. case at all. Yeah, which which I don't believe that that's true. Um, this shouldn't take so long. I mean, okay, a little bit of an anticipation, sure, but to the point where I mean, like particularly. The picks that you know, you know, nobody. They did, I mean, they took three minutes to pick Zion Williamson. Right down yeah, the wire. It's like, come on. You've but been on the clock be, since. You've been on the clock since the draft lottery. Come on. Yeah, and, every, we and know. everybody knows that's got to be on purpose. For yeah, it is. Hey, clearly. Dramatics and all that. And I don't know. I guess it depends on whether you want it to be a. Uh, if it's a draft or if you want it to be a, a moment in the NBA, I guess. You know, like the decision. Oh, God, don't get us started on that. But, yeah, well, yeah the, the draft. Same sort of thing. You know, that should have taken, the decision should have taken 30 seconds. Well, it did. That was the problem. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the show didn't end in thirty seconds. No, no, Tim, no, it didn't. Show <laughs> We're reminded kept, of it every. Show just kept chugging along. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and then we. T- you know what, Nate? But whoever produ- whoever produced that show for the NBA was a patriot. <laughs> Indeed, they were. They <laughs> sir. Oh man! Indeed, they were. But I, I do know this: the draft, the draft was way too long this year. Uh, it ended at twelve thirty, and it, it years previous it had ended by midnight. So I don't know. I don't well, know and it got to the point, you know. Initially, you're 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 not upset. You know, okay, well, we've only made five picks, and it's taken thirty-seven minutes. Well, okay, whatever. But then yeah. eventually, even even the hard course. I mean, I watched the whole thing, but even I was going like, oh, I did too. Jesus H. You know, come on now. Can, did you really expect anybody to stay up this late? Like on the East Coast, you know, okay, <laughs> but you're you, and we do this for a semi-living, so it's a little bit different. But, you know, if you're just Very a fan, you, you probably didn't uh, didn't bother. And uh, I don't know. There's there, There's got to be a, a, a happier medium in there, four hours, just like, you know, WrestleMania or the pay-per-views. You know, there's... Too long. Yeah, just just you know, too even long. a half hour. Even a half hour would 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 be better if they could cut a half hour. I agree, but so it is what it is. We kind of had to deal with it, but that's the NBA yeah, draft. But before we go and talk about, I know everybody wants to hear about free agency, and we've got a lot on free agency, Tim. Um, I do want to tell you that if you need a lawyer, we have the best free agent lawyer there is because anybody can sign up with our man, Stephen P. New. And Stephen P. New has been on the shows before. He's a great friend of the show. He's done some good stuff with us, and we hope to get him back on soon to talk a little more. But uh, let's hear a little bit about our good friend, Stephen P. New, from New Law, Law, New Law Office at newlawoffice.com. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. And that's our... Word from our man, Mr. Stephen P. New from NewLawOffice.com. Again, it's NewLawOffice.com. Check him out. Hopefully you don't need a lawyer, but if you do, that's the man that you need to call, Stephen P. New. He is the man. There's no two ways Indeed. Indeed he is. And, Tim, we had – man, we've been blessed this week. Uh, before we get to our talk with um, Jacob Goldstein, we do want to bring up something. And this is for a lot of our listeners out there. A lot of you guys are uh, just as big. And, you know, we, we bring up wrestling and uh, some wrestling stuff here and there. And we, we like all kinds of sports. Uh, you know that. But 
Inter- especially, you know, you don't use this clip right here. There's Diana looking like some kind of whore. Unless you're a wrestling fan. Honestly, you don't. Uh, Tim and I have <laughs> kind of started a venture here on the podcast. TR uh, has been included. We've talked with him. Um, and it's over on Patreon. You may have saw this. We've started a Patreon page now. We we had started a while back, and we kind of just let it go for a while because we weren't 100% on how to work it. But now we, we, we've kind of, you know, knuckled down, figured out what's going on. And if you sign up over at Patreon right now, um, we're going to have some exclusive content going up on Patreon. And a lot of it is wrestling related. Now, I know some of you have heard the wrestling show that we put up. Uh, we've done a couple. But Tim and I have been working tirelessly to try to get this up. And uh, let me just kind of go over what's going on on Patreon right now. If you sign up, uh, minimum is $2 a month. And, and, and that's chump change. I mean, that's a, that's, you know, a Coke. Can you, can you spare a Coke for you boys here? $2 a month. Um, you get access to all of our interviews, exclusive content, not available anywhere else. And we've got a number of different, uh, celebrities, pseudo celebrities, guys from all over the world. Uh, just for instance, Tim and I yesterday interviewed former WWE referee for, from 1991 to 2013, Jack Doan, former WWE official. We, and we had a great talk with Jack. Did we not, Tim? Oh, and and let's say we 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 can't tell you, but we actually heard a couple things we did not know. Oh yeah, a lot of stuff on there that that I didn't know. Uh, and Jack was very open with everything. He did. Well, I'm not going to say, you know, he we learned some things about some some talent and some backstage stuff that Tim and I didn't know, and he was very very willing to share. He said about people that liked him and some people didn't like him. And you'll hear all that. It's only $2 a month. Now, if you want more than that, uh, we've got $5 a month, $10 a month, uh, $20 a month, or you can do a one-time payment of $25 as well, uh, depending on what you're, what you're after and what you're looking for. Uh, there's a lot of stuff over here. You can become a guest on the show. You can get t-shirts. Um, you get buttons or not buttons, but bottle openers, stickers, um, but all this access to our exclusive content. You can get the show early, all kinds of stuff. So get over to Patreon. It's patreon.com slash wide men can't jump because our exclusive content will go up there. And as cheap as $2 a month, you can hear another podcast from Tim and myself that not, I think you'll And enjoy. that first one's going to go up uh, July 1? July 1st. July 1st. We're going to give everybody an equal playing field to start on July 1st. So the first uh, show will go up July 1st, and it'll be our interview with Jack Doan. We're interviewing Jimmy Jacobs uh, tomorrow, uh, former WWE creative. And we're also scheduled to do an interview with Bobby Blaze and Dan Severin talking about their two NWA title matches they had uh, back in the 90s during Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And we've got more than that planned as well. We do, and to and to uh, full disclosure here, we will not talk about these events anywhere else. We might no, tease nowhere else. We might tease that. Goddamn, can you believe what we heard on uh, on that Patreon show? But you will not hear these anywhere else. These won't Absolutely drop after not. you know six months from now if everyone's 
that we think might want to listen to them, has heard them, and all this nonsense. You pay, you'll get to hear them, and nobody else will. And when this podcast has been nominated for 25 Emmys, they'll come out on a very affordable <laughs> DVD package. Yes. Glossy photos and all the rest, but that won't be for at least another two or three years. But anyway, um, and, but, and also, just also to be clear, the basketball show and the round table and all that, any of that stuff, will always be like it was where if you're crazy enough. Oh, yeah, person, yeah. Nothing's changing All the power there. to uh, you. We won't, we won't charge you for any of that stuff because that's a different. No, no, no. This is just extra content. Uh, interviews never before heard or seen anywhere else. Uh, so stick with us on that. Donate patreon.com slash white men can jump two two bucks a month is the minimum that's all we're asking and if you, if you help us out there you get you know we really appreciate it you know i'd be crazy and i ask some questions that other people don't have the kahunas boy don't you boy don't you ask. But so because i don't care and we give i'll give them the choice not to answer but we will ask and we didn't get too crazy with with mr Doan, but we did ask him a few things that and he uh, he gave us answers, and they were enlightening. And we'll leave it at that. Yep. So check it See out. On. Head on over. See you that on content July 1st. July 1st. Be there It'll be up July 1st. Don't get Go over and check it out. Be a patriot. Get a Patreon. <laughs> yes, yes. Be a real patriot. But head on over. It's patreon.com slash wide men can jump. And we appreciate you if you do so. Again, just two bucks a month. All right. Now that we're done seamlessly plugging uh, almost all of our sponsors. We'll plug another one later. Uh, we were able, Tim, to sit down and talk about the NBA draft with uh, Jacob Goldstein. Well, I was. You were, I believe you're, uh, you were tied up, but I was able to sit down with Jacob Goldstein and talk about the NBA draft. And we looked at the draft with the player impact plus minus, uh, and we looked at a lot of players and we talked for quite an extensive amount of time about it. So, uh, what do you say? You want to go to this interview with Mr. Jacob Goldstein? Uh, I believe we should roll that. All right. Here's my talk with Jacob Goldstein about the NBA draft. Joining me right now is a, uh, a guy who Tim and I have become big fans of on this show. Jacob Goldstein from the B-Ball Index and the creator of the Player Impact Plus Minus. Jacob, thanks again for coming back on and talking some hoops with us. It's my pleasure. Excited to be here. All right. I feel like we really are champions of this Player Impact Plus Minus thing. We really try, and we put it over all the time on Twitter and on our shows, and uh, and I really like the stat, as we were talking beforehand. I'm really a big fan of this stat, and I like how uh, you use it and how – it plays out, and it seems to make more sense to me than most of the other uh, stats like of it of its kind. So if anybody out there maybe isn't aware of it, what exactly is the player impact plus minus, and how do you come up with it? Sure. So player impact plus minus is a combination of box score information and luck-adjusted on-off data in order to try and estimate a player's value for 100 possessions. So the box score information is pretty straightforward. We get that for every game, and the NBA has had that for most every stat for 35, 40 years at this point. Um, the luck-adjusted on-off data is a little more confusing. It's essentially looking at the predictive 
things about how a team played with someone on the court and how their opponent played with them on the court to try and remove as much noise or variance from on-off data as possible so that it's, it's really focusing in on how much an individual player is helping their team in a, in a predictive nature going forward. So it's a combination of the box score and, and some more advanced uh, plus-minus data to try and really estimate how much someone's helping a team. Well, and you took your information and you put it with um, the NBA draft this year, and I, I followed your info with the draft as close as I could. I looked at it during my uh, mock drafts that I made up. And for those of you that don't know, Jacob did put out this. Um, this is the top 15 here. We'll dive a little more into the stats as we go along here. But number one and number two names you'll recognize, Zion Williamson, John Morant, guys like that. But then at number three, Jackson Hayes. Uh, you have him potentially adding 3.16 wins to the whomever drafted him. And that one, he was ranked number three in your model, but number 11 mm-hmm. on the ESPN ranking. Uh, explain maybe to people why Jackson Hayes was a guy who jumped up your chart versus what the NBA looked at. For sure. So range or, or Jackson Hayes is a rangy 6'11", kind of power forward center combo. He ended up going eighth to the Hawks in a draft pick that was traded to the Pelicans. So he ended up on the Pelicans. Um, the, the, the reason my model really liked him was two reasons. He, one, had one of the highest finishing rates in college ever. He shot 73% from the field, just an absolute elite play finisher in that regard. Um, and the other reason I really liked him is because of his rim protection and his defense. He just He's a bit more of a traditional play finishing big, but he just really pops in the statistical way that he gets a lot of blocks, he protects the rim at a high level and he finishes at a really high level. So it just makes him a really efficient overall player who's putting his, his talent to best use on both sides of the court. Well, I'm looking at your, your statistics here. He was a, a maybe an undervalued player that you had. And then there were some of the usual candidates here. Uh, Cam Reddish was 12th in your model, 7th in the ESPN rankings. Uh, Darius Garland, mm-hmm. I, I guess you had him as a little overrated, according to your model, 11th in your ranking fourth via ESPN, but there's a name here that a lot of people may not even recognize. And this was a guy who, I'll be honest with you, I'm still kind of scratching my head at. I don't really know this know this player uh, very much. John Concher, uh, mm-hmm. he ended up being ranked eighth in your system. According to the ESPN rankings, John Concher is ranked 66th overall and I don't did he even get drafted I don't believe he got drafted he did not no I I believe the Grizzlies signed him for summer league okay what is it about him that your system loved what why was this guy and I'm looking at it in high school he averaged 28.9 points per game to go with 14 rebounds so I mean hell that's pretty impressive right there but and he's got a list a mile long of just you know things he's done, 47 career double-doubles. Um, and his stats-wise, he had some really good, uh, really good scoring games. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he had a really good average. He averaged almost 20 points a game, and yet this guy goes undrafted. What was your system looking at with him that made him so valuable? 
I think the big difference between the way a stats model like mine looks at him and the way scouts look at him is he was playing in a bit of a easier conference in the summit conference where it doesn't really, he's not really often going against the same high level defenses that power conferences are going against. And he's also a bit of an older prospect. He was a senior in college, which is always something that gets devalued at times in the draft, especially when looking for upside. So he kind of fell into this crevice of he was good at not the highest level of college and he's a little bit older. So I think teams were a little more apprehensive to look at him as an early draft pick or even later in the draft, better off getting him on a summer league deal where teams will have a little bit more control over what they can really offer him. But the reason the stats model likes him so much is a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. He is a really good passer. He's a very strong rebounder. He gets a lot of steals. He scores at a high level. He shoots over 60% from two, over 40% from three, just really efficient marks. Um, And even at the lower conference level, he's just still clearly the best player on his team from watching him at always, jumps out in the film that he's he's really the only offensive guy on his team who knows what he's doing a lot of the time so he just kind of fit all or ticked all the boxes on a statistical level for a guy who's a bit of a do-it-all potential role player who can shoot pass play a little bit of defense so it, it just ticks a lot of boxes uh on the stat side that ne- don't necessarily matter quite as much in in the scouting perspective and according to your model here, uh, Ja Morant will add 3.71 wins to the Grizzlies. He's number two, and then you jump up to mm-hmm. number one, Zion Williamson, 6.88 wins added uh, average-wise. What makes Zion Williamson just so special, even with from your model and you as a basketball fan? What, why do you think Zion Williamson looks like he's going to be something really special? I think there's actually two portions to why he's such a beloved prospect. One of it is when he's on the court, he dominated in college. He was incredibly efficient, great passer, great rebounder, great defender, could cover the entire court in virtually two strides and make ridiculous highlight plays. So both through the film and the stats, there's numerous reasons that he's such a high-level and well-regarded prospect. But another reason I think that there's so much mania around him is because he's also just a really likable guy, someone who seems like it's very easy to root for him. So he he ticks all the boxes of being a franchise-caliber star who can really carry a city and and really have people invest their franchise basketball hopes in for the foreseeable future. He's just a a kind of perfect prospect for uh, a smaller market team to be able to draft. Yeah, definitely. Um, who do you think did the biggest reach of the draft? Who's who's a guy that you think is going to be or has bust maybe written all over him from you know, maybe not so much the lottery, but who? what team would you say maybe won the draft versus not so much, um, I think is the way I need to word that. Who won the draft to you and who lost the draft to you? I think – there were two biggest winners of the draft. I think both the Pelicans and the Grizzlies did a really good job of taking the best player available on their boards and, and just, uh, at each move getting the guy they wanted who rates out very well in both staff perspectives and scouting perspectives, which ultimately is the best way to know what prospect is going to be good. 
uh, someone's beloved in both systems, it's generally a really good indicator of their talent. One of the teams that I think struggled a little bit more, had a bit of a confusing draft, was the Hawks. They kind of, I feel like, didn't use the fourth pick very well, which they traded up for, and they had to give a decent amount back to the Pelicans to be able to take that selection. And while I think DeAndre Hunter is a high-floor prospect, he's, he's not really a super high-ceiling guy. Um, generally speaking, players in college who are more strictly 3-and-D players don't translate as well to the NBA. So I have a little bit of concern about just how effective DeAndre Hunter is going to be at the next level. Um, So I I think in part that's a bit of a big mistake, how much they gave up to select a solid prospect. He doesn't really have the super high ceiling that that teams normally look for with a top four pick. But outside of that overall, I think most teams did a pretty good job in the draft. They really like the uh, move the India Indiana Pacers made to draft Goga Bitadze and with the 18th overall pick, he's a really good stretch center out of Europe and, and someone I was really hoping would fall to the Spurs at 19. So I, I think overall, most teams did a pretty good job and nothing too much popped out. I would say one move that I think was also a mistake was uh, the Phoenix Suns drafting Cameron Johnson at 11. I had, Cameron Johnson at 41st in my draft model, and even most scouting draft experts more had him in, in the mid-20s, I believe. So by any sense, this is, was a bit of a stretch, especially given that Phoenix traded back to make this selection, so it means that they really did like Cameron Johnson. Um, Cameron Johnson's a great shooter. He's, he's one of the best shooters in the draft, but it, it just seems like that was a bit of a misstep drafting someone um, who, who outside of them, I don't think anyone was really looking at drafting that highly uh, as far as I could tell. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't trade back even more. Uh, I had Cameron Johnson going 21 uh, to Oklahoma City. I, you know, with Oklahoma City's asking price being so low, and I felt like they could have gotten Cameron Johnson in the 20s and probably just gave up maybe two second-round picks to make that move mm-hmm. and get him and could have kept that sixth pick uh, because really all they got out of it was Dario Saric, and I'm a Minnesota fan. I mean, Dario's a, a solid player, but he's not going to change your franchise. And I don't think Cameron Johnson right. has a lot of upside that I'm excited about. I mean, he's 6'8", 205 pounds, but this is a young Phoenix team that's drafting a senior. I don't mm-hmm. know how well that's going to work out for them because he's almost getting close to his prime now. I don't know. It was a very confusing pick to me. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just it, it, he's a shooter, but it's unclear if he really does anything else. And he seems like a kind of the, the player that was available 10 picks later. So they could have moved back even further or kept the number six pick and, and just done something smaller to be able to get him. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, were you surprised by Nasir Little falling as far as he did? Uh, he really took a tumble. He, everyone had him projected as a lottery pick. I had him going in my mock draft. I had him going to Miami at 13. Uh, were you surprised he fell as far as he did? A little bit. I mean, from a, a scouting perspective, he seemed like a guy that was very much liked uh, along or among teams in the league. It's possible something came up in a medical that maybe red flagged him or he just didn't have the, the kind of workouts you would expect from a player, but 
some of the stuff that was holding him up was his recruiting rank into college was incredibly high. I believe he was a top five recruit for his class. And then he didn't really perform at the level in college uh, that I think that ranking normally uh, expects from players. So I, I think he tumbled a little bit by struggling more than people expected in college. In my draft model, I had him around where he ended up getting selected. And I think because he fell a little bit and he went to the Portland Trailblazers, who I believe are a pretty good developmental team and, and will give him a little bit of time to, to really come into his own, I, I think that'll really help if he has the ability and potential to be a player in the league. I, I think falling a little bit, going to a team that's not going to immediately expect him to be overextending himself is possibly one of the best situations for him as a player. Did you think that he, uh, or excuse me, do you think that little falling is the only reason Portland didn't take a guard? Because they take a guard every year. That's what they do. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, well, let's talk about another guy who who fell, and that's Bowl Bowl. You had him pretty high in your draft mm-hmm. ranking mock. Um what are you seeing in Bowl Bowl that maybe made teams a little nervous? I'm trying to figure out how he fell so far in the second round because I'm looking at the second round going, you know, the, a lot of people are taking picks that are, you know, uh, this guy may make the summer league roster. Why not take mm-hmm. a chance there? Especially if you're, you know, a team that could use some impact. If you take a guy like Bowl Bowl in the second round and he doesn't pan out, I don't think anybody's going to be upset that you tried. I agree with you. I, I think it has to come down to the medical red flags on him being worse than we know publicly. He had the um, devastating foot injury that took him out for almost all of this past college season. And I think there might be uh, some red flags around his personality. From what I've read on Twitter and reports I've seen, it seems that he doesn't necessarily have the same love for the game that people would expect. So I, I think – Teams are just a little nervous to take a risk on a guy who is very large, which puts him at an injury risk. He's already had a pretty bad injury, and uh, it's unclear as, as to how much love for the game he has, I guess, for lack of better terms. I, I think that's a stupid reason uh, to let him fall. The injury risk is a real thing, but I think love for the game is generally overrated in terms of evaluation and prospects. All these guys love basketball. That's why they're so good at it and put so many hours in. So I would have probably taken him a little bit sooner, but I get the the red flags and bad aura around him that potentially made teams think about it a little bit longer. But the thing is, if football hits as a prospect now, it's incredible value for the Nuggets who traded for him. Um, and, and he has a lot of really interesting skills with his shooting ability and ability to protect the paint that, that could make him a very useful player if he's able to put it all together what do you think about um you know and you talked about new orleans and not only do they get Mm -hmm. the top prospect in the draft not only do they get jackson hayes who i think is going to be a a solid player they also got nikhil alexander walker out of virginia tech a really good shooter um he went uh maybe a little higher than i thought he would uh but he goes to new orleans now do you think that was good value at 17? Do you think maybe they could have could have grabbed someone a little different? I know that they are in desperate need of a small forward, per se. I don't know if he's going to be big enough to play small forward 
or if maybe they mm-hmm. just have a certain amount of guys that they said, this is a guy we want on our squad. What, what do you think about Walker coming out of Virginia Tech? I like him. I think that was a little bit early for him, but not in an egregious way. A, a lot of this draft after the top few prospects really smoothed out and became much more eye of the beholder uh, for evaluation. So I don't think it's an unreasonable spot for him to go. I don't think he's quite tall enough to be a small forward. Maybe he'll have a growth spurt at some point, but he's more six five ish so more of a, a two-guard size. He's pretty good length, um, good shooter. I, I think he's a good player and, and has potential to do some good role player things in the league. Um, but he, at that point, after the Pelicans already taken Zion and traded for Jackson Hayes, I, I think it was a good pick to get some more shooting around them um, and not necessarily swing for the fences on a guy. Get a guy who they believe will be a really solid player and be able to help them out more. What about Oklahoma City? They take Darius Baisley and with the 23rd pick. Now everybody's going to look at me and say, 23rd pick, you know, why not? That's a bizarre pick to me for Oklahoma City because to me they need a solid, th- a proven three or a solid four for their team. Now, granted, maybe they know something I don't. I'm not sure. I had Oklahoma City in my mock draft, which I accidentally closed. Let me get it back up here real quick. <laughs> I had Oklahoma City uh, taking Cameron Johnson at 21. Well, obviously, he's gone. Um, I'm sitting there. You know, they're not going to be able to keep Steven Adams forever. Uh, that could, They could have taken maybe a, a center there. But they take a guy who I had, and I'm talking about falling in this draft in where did I have him at I had him here somewhere I know I had him really falling because of I just don't understand why a guy would skip out on college just to prepare for the draft that doesn't add up to me I had him going 38 to Chicago um what are your thoughts on this kid who who skipped out I think he was supposed to go to um Syracuse and instead mm-hmm. opted to just prepare for the draft. Didn't play organized basketball at all last year. Dangerous pick by Oklahoma City or smart gamble? I think it's a pick that will be very hard to evaluate until we get to really see him in summer league and preseason and, and on the court going forward because he hasn't played in a, a year. Um, back when he was playing over a year ago, he was seemed like a very raw young wing player who, you know, he was bouncy, had some potential, had some shot questions. Um, from all the reports of more recent performance, he's looked better, he's looked stronger. So who knows, maybe he really was able to show the Thunder in a workout that he's a improved player and, and it could be good value. And he found a way to just hide himself, um, I believe, interning for Adidas for the year. And I mean, it, it it's a bit of a gamble. It could work out. He's, he's in a way a mystery man uh, in terms of where he is at this current point as a player. And he's just a guy we're going to have to see how he performs uh, going forward to really get a more clear picture on if even at the time it was reasonable value for the pick. Yeah, and again, that was another uh, another issue is Mitchell Robinson last year who fell to the second round who a lot of people were kind of nervous about um, I was actually really high on him, and uh, he's played great. So, you know, maybe he'll turn into something. That, um, I'm not sure. But I'm looking yeah. at the draft here. You, you gave me your winners and losers, and Bol Bol ended up going to the Nuggets, which I think is great. 
for him, he's going to end up um, more than likely setting out a year and kind of like what they did with Michael Porter mm-hmm. and look out for them if Bol Bol and Michael Porter both come back 100%. Yep. Good God. <laughs> um, you want to talk about dangerous. But uh, who are you seeing in this draft that maybe you would – you would just guess if you had to guess, and I'm gonna—I'm not putting Cameron Johnson on the table here, so you can't go with that pick. Um, who's got bust written all over him in this draft, in your opinion? I think some of the guys at highest risk of it, um, specifically looking at players who went earlier in the draft because they're the ones who really get, you know, bust labeled onto them. If, if there's something that goes wrong, I think. R.J. Barrett has a, a pretty high, uh, relatively speaking, chance of busting because he is a bit of a inefficient chucker at times. He has tunnel vision. He's a good passer, but he's not. He doesn't necessarily have good vision. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities for him, I think, to kind of be another Andrew Wiggins, uh, another guy who has oh. a lot of talent but is never able to like really put the skill package together and get the mentality together and. Like RJ, if he's a primary creator on a team, I think is is going to be pretty bad, and I don't know if he is willing to accept being a secondary or tertiary creator for a team. Uh, As a Wolves like fan, you just you just hit me really hard because I agree with you. <laughs> oh, it's it's painful. Yeah, and then I I also think the other Duke boy, Cam Reddish. Cam was a very different player in terms of how he played in high school. He did a lot more primary creation. Uh, at the college level, obviously, he was behind Zion and RJ because both are better individual creators than him at this point. Um, and Cam really struggled in that role. He didn't finish well. He didn't use his athleticism very well. He wasn't even a, a super elite shooter, although he was really the only guy opponents had to worry about on that Duke team. So it's possible he was just getting overcrowded. So I think there is also a chance that he just isn't able to put it together either and, and – uh, he's never able to find the right role that fits for him because of, of just limitations that he has, and, and it, it could go pretty poorly for the Hawks. One thing in his favor, though, is that the Atlanta Hawks are known for their ability to pump out good wing prospects, good wing players, really add to their shooting and, and make them more versatile on the offensive end. So if there's a place he's able to find that shot and figure out his as a more off-ball spot-up shooter in the league, I think the Hawks are a great situation for that to happen. Absolutely. Um, and, and, of course, the Hawks are young, and they're not expecting to win now, so they will right. allow players to get better. Um, another situation I do want to look at, the Washington Wizards, they take Rao Hachimura, uh, the first Japanese player to ever be drafted in the NBA draft, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that, so double-check me, but... What do you think about Hachimura going to Washington at nine? I felt that was a little bit of a reach also. I would agree. Uh, in my draft model, he was in the mid-20s. Obviously, this draft's pretty close, so it's not a, a create uh, or a total crazy reach or anything like that, but uh, I think it was definitely a little bit early to take him. He's a guy who was much better this year his junior season at Gonzaga than in previous years, but he's still not necessarily the best shooter in the world. He's, he's pretty low volume on that end. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of questions about what he really can do at the next level. Um, 
and I, I generally agree with him. I, I think he has a pass forward, but he's not a great defender. He's very much a, uh, inside the three-point line space scorer, so he's not necessarily even the best spot-up off-ball action. Not a crazy good passer. So there, there's just a lot of holes in this game that I think he'll need to really shore up to hit as a prospect. You know, I may be the only person, and I put this out on Twitter, I trust no players, zero, coming out of Gonzaga. Never have, <laughs> never will. Uh, maybe that's wrong out of me, but that's just how I am. I literally went through and looked at the players that they have had come out of Gonzaga. You know who their best player was? John Stockton. You know, if I look at oh, it wow. again, who their second best player was? Who? Sabonis who's playing for Indiana right oh, wow. now. Um, let, let me just – you know what? We got a second here. Let me just pull up <laughs> Gonzaga players that have played in the NBA just so I can make a point. Uh, I made this point on our last week's episode, and I'm going to get one of the experts to hear me out in this. Um, right now, Gonzaga has four players in the NBA currently. Here's mm-hmm. a list of all the Gonzaga players, okay? Mike Champion, Zach Collins, Austin Day, Dan Dickow. Richie Fram, Elias Harris, Mario Cassoon, Adam Morrison, Kelly Olenek, Jeremy Pargo, DeMontis Sabonis, Robert Sacre, David Stockton, John Stockton, Ronnie Turioff, Jonathan Williams, Kyle Whitler. There you go. That's the 17 players that have come to the NBA from Gonzaga. <laughs> well, I mean, there's some solid players in there. Kelly Olenek's pretty good. Sabonis is pretty good, but... Ronnie Turioff was a journeyman player as well, but to me, this is a program that touts, that sends out highly touted draft picks. Zach Collins was a number 10. Uh, Adam Morrison was high. He ended up being a bust. And you look at all these different players that they send out, and yet I look at it and I'm kind of like, other than John Stockton, who are they really putting out, you know? Yeah, it definitely could be something interesting to look at in a study of some kind, seeing how different colleges are able to put out different percentages of all-star players, starters, like what percent of their their players that come out of the school really are able to hit these different levels and see if there's anything there as to some schools really being better at it than others. Yeah, and and I'm seeing a lot of their their players that got drafted this year, uh, Hachimura, Clark, guys like that um, I'm just not excited for Gonzaga players I never have been maybe that's wrong maybe that's wrong out of me but that's just me I don't know that's just something I've noticed over the years but um, all right let's <laughs> one more thing here and I'll let you go free agency's coming up um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I didn't want to talk too much free agency with you because I know we wanted to focus on the draft especially with your system and, and all that but uh, what's your thoughts as we head into NBA free agency, and we're looking at uh, a lot of players that could end up different places. Um, some of the rumors you've heard, any any kind of just maybe broad thoughts that you want to throw out there? You can name some players that you're interested and think they may go. Uh, just give me your thoughts on NBA free agency. It's kind of a last thing here. I'm pretty excited for it. I think it's going to be a, a really wild uh, couple of weeks when it first opens. There, as you were saying, there's so many guys who are all-star level players who are going to be free agents this summer and 
they, it, there's a potential for a real balance shift in the NBA. The Nets are looking like they might be able to get Kyrie Irving and someone else, and that can instantly turn them into one of the best teams in the East. The Raptors just more and more look like they're going to keep Kawhi, and that'll keep them as one of the best teams in the East. The Bucks have a lot of really interesting key role player decisions they have to look at. 76ers need to find a way to build a bench. It looks like the Celtics are not going to be really be a contender anymore. And then in the West, the Lakers obviously have a very important decision with how they're going to surround LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The Warriors are in flux. Uh, the, the Nuggets are, we'll just see how they keep evolving as one of the best young teams in the league. So I think it's going to be a really interesting free agency. A lot of, I think one of the most interesting things to track will be who are the minimum level guys that these real contending level teams are getting. So I think ultimately that'll be what separates the ultimate champion next year from everyone else. It's never just the stars that make the difference. Uh, I think it's something I was really clear with the Warriors versus the Raptors. The Warriors have all the stars and then they got hit by really unfortunate injuries and it was clear that bench just wasn't good enough. Meanwhile, the Raptors had one of the best benches in the league, and that was very apparent when they were able to respond to runs uh, against the Warriors and throughout the entire playoffs. So I think we're we're going to see is we have to keep our eyes on those minimum-level guys that these teams are getting because that will ultimately be just as important to deciding the champion next year as whoever gets Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, like the real max players. It's all – it's all going to come down to the, the details of finishing those teams out. So I'm excited. I agree with you. But, Jacob, thank you so much for coming on here and talking a little bit about the NBA draft and talking about, um, you know, all these players and kind of looking into the future a little bit here with these NBA players. And uh, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and follow you and all those things. So uh, that way they uh, can follow you and keep up with the player impact plus minus, one of the best stats in basketball well thank you my my the best way to keep up with what i'm doing is through my twitter which is just at jacob e goldstein or google jacob goldstein or pipm and i'm sure it'll be one of the first links that come up um we're going to have a lot more stuff coming out uh for free agency at the b-ball index uh which is the site i I helped co-found and it's a really exciting time we're going to finally be able to put out initial win projections for the 2019-20 season because that's already beginning. And oh, yeah. we're going to go from there. All right. Well, can't wait, Jacob. And uh, we'll have you back on here in a few months once those projections start rolling in and free agency calms down a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit about these new teams. And we do appreciate you for coming on. And, again, everybody Thank check you. Jacob out and follow him and pay attention to his statistics, please, because I think we're all going to be talking about him one of these days. But thanks again, Jacob. I hope to talk to you again real soon. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. And that was our conversation with Jacob Goldstein, who from Bebop Index and the creator, the creator of the player Impact Plus Minus and A lot of big stuff there on the draft, a lot of stuff to talk about there, but the second hour of this show, we're going to be looking at free 
agency and a lot of stuff to talk about in terms of free agency. But first, let's hear from our good sponsors over at CanBay.com. Are you sick of the boring, same old campsites with the same old girls and the same boring content? Well, now's your chance to jump over to a brand new website called CanBay.com. C-A-M-B-A-E.com. When you're on CanBay, whatever you want and whatever you desire is right at your fingertips. Be sure to join right now and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on CanBay.com. Use those credits to go towards whatever your fantasy is and make sure that you know CanBay.com wants to make you as happy as you can be. Be sure to join right now. Again, it's CanBay.com, C-A-M-B-A-E.com. And unlike college, it's not going to take you guys 20 free credits to finish. So join CanBay.com right now. Use promo code WIDEMAN and get your free credits. That's right, CanBay.com. Go check them out over at CanBay.com. All right, NBA free agency. I think the best way to attack NBA free agency, team is to go to an expert. And that's exactly what I did. I, You and I sat down with the man from NBA TV and B-Ballers Insider, the capologist Eric Pincus, and we talked about potential free agency pool, and we talked about a lot of the big names in free agency. And I think what we need to do is to go ahead, play our conversation with Eric. Then when we come back, we'll tie up some loose ends because there's been some developments happening here in the past couple of days that we need to address. And that's how we'll wind the show down, is talking about more free agency and some of the predictions that we see coming. Sound good to you? Sounds good to me. Roll that tape. All right. This is our conversation with Eric Pincus. Back again on Wide Men Can't Jump is NBA capologist for B-Ball Insiders and NBA TV and the lead Lakers writer for Bleacher Report, Mr. Eric Pincus. Excuse me, Eric Pincus. Thank you, Eric, for jumping back on the show with us yet again. Oh, absolutely. Happy to do it. Well, we got free agency starting this Sunday, and, of course, there's so many different uh, players out there that are going to be free agents or have their player options and have already decided to take or not take. Um, and if you look at the top 20 free agents in the league, there are a lot of big names out there. Um, let's just go ahead and throw it to you. Who's probably the biggest free free agent out there this season? Uh, I'll say outside of Kevin Durant, but even now with Kevin Durant being injured, um, I'd say Kawhi Leonard would be one. But who who is who is it you're most looking forward to see where they end up here in this offseason? Well, I think that's that's the big question is where does Kawhi Leonard go? Uh, that's what everyone wants to know first and foremost because right now he's the best player available. Uh, I think if there was any question as to how good Kawhi Leonard was, uh, whether he was a system player in San Antonio or not, the guy is is, is a beast, right? And so if uh, he chooses to stay in Toronto, that's that. If he chooses to go to one of the L.A. teams or another team, that changes the equation significantly. And so that's the one to look at. And then the next question after that is where does Kyrie Irving go? Uh, Kyrie can stay in Boston, but it sounds like that's not going to happen. And so does he go to Brooklyn, which is long rumored? Does he consider New York? Does he consider Los Angeles with the Lakers and reuniting with LeBron? 
think some of those are possible. Uh, the smart money says he goes to uh, Brooklyn. And then, of course, KD being hurt really takes the wind out of that sale. And uh, he could join Kyrie, and, and the Nets could pay and basically wait a year to contend. Uh, but they have that foundation uh, with Kyrie and KD, and that's pretty strong, assuming that KD can come back to, to any level of health. Well, you mentioned Brooklyn. You mentioned Kyrie going to Brooklyn. If Kyrie does go to Brooklyn, there's another big-name free agent out here. He's a restricted free agent. That's D'Angelo Russell. There's a lot of teams being linked to making a play for D'Angelo Russell. Um, who do you see as probably the front runner? If Brooklyn lands Kyrie, they're not going to re-sign Russell. Uh, who, where does Russell go? Right. Well, it's all a timing thing. So let's say that on June 30th now, teams can start negotiating around uh, – 3 p.m. my 6 PM. time in L.A., 6, uh, yeah, 6 p.m. on your time, right. 3 p.m. in, in, in uh, normal people time in L.A. Oh, uh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so now they can discuss, and, and they, it's not just discuss. Like players can, you know, we saw LeBron and his people sent out like a, a, a release saying that LeBron's coming to the Lakers last year. Guys can decide mm-hmm. very quickly, and so news can start breaking uh, really, really soon. And so July 1st, July 2nd. These decisions can get made very quickly, but uh, for the Lakers, they're on the clock because they've got to deal with the Pelicans to trade Anthony Davis, trade for Anthony Davis. And and once they trade for Anthony Davis and how they trade for Anthony Davis impacts that spending power. So if someone like D'Angelo Russell is a target for the Lakers, and I I wrote that he is, or at least a potential target, uh, he's restricted. And so if they give an offer sheet to D'Angelo, there's like a 48-hour waiting period for the Nets to decide on that. And if the Lakers have a deal with the Pelicans and, and they have to get that deal executed, they may not have time to get all that done. So it, everything is all about timing. Uh, because the Nets, if they have that yes from Kyrie and if they have a yes from, say, KD and someone else or whatever, and they need to uh, get out of that D'Angelo money, they very quickly could renounce him and revoke his qualifying offer and say, okay, he's free. That's what happened with Julius Randle. Lakers did that. It's happened with uh, a number of restricted free agents in recent years where mm-hmm. a team goes in a different direction, they let them free. So really the question with D'Angelo is what is the timing on the net side? Are they just going to right off the bat say, okay, you're free, you can go somewhere else, we're not going to resign you? Or do they make him sign an offer sheet and then use that time to sort of manipulate things? And all those things factor in and who could chase them because, as we said, the Lakers might not be able to. Uh, there have been rumors that maybe the Pacers or the Suns uh, any number of teams can go after D'Angelo, even the Knicks, uh, teams that have a lot of money. D'Angelo is a really, really good young point guard. He's an all-star, but he's still relatively unproven. But he did help his, his Nets team get to the playoffs. He was a huge part of their success. And he's grown up a lot since his days in Los Angeles. So I'm happy for yeah. uh, his success. Yeah, and he's only 23, like you said, so that's a big deal too. Uh, one more thing here before I throw it over to our, my Canadian co-host, uh, I wanna I wanna ask this. There's been some rumors, and Zach Lowe reported this, and I'm a I'm a fan of this team, so uh, there's a lot of um, ideas going around that Minnesota somehow, some way has come up with a way to where they could land D'Angelo Russell and pair him with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, you know the the salary cap better than anybody. How could they possibly make this happen? And who is going to be dumb enough to take on that Andrew Wiggins contract? <laughs> Well, that's a good question, and we, you know, we don't really know the answers here. But where I have them now is they, they're roughly about 116 million invested in this team, and that's actually less. I got to pull off uh, Dario Saric and 
run the numbers a little bit differently now that they do. I think I have that actually yeah. run. Let me pull up what I have run. Uh, what do I have for Minnesota? Okay, so yeah, I have them at about 115, basically the same, right? So yeah, that that means if you want to get to, let, let's say that D'Angelo is 20 to 27 million in the first year. Maybe he goes for a max, which is 27. Maybe he's a little bit cheaper. Maybe he's 20 million. So how how can they get to even 20 million? Uh, I mean, even if you dump Jeff Teague, right, and you sent him to a team yeah. that had cap room, that doesn't really get you there. What that does is that gets you to about 12 million in cap space. So it's not enough. So uh, now it's like, can you get rid of Jang and and Teague and Covington? But you start to whittle down the depth of the team. So really, Wiggins becomes the obvious answer there. Maybe they have a suitor for someone like Andrew Wiggins. I mean. Look, the, the Sacramento Kings have made a lot of interesting moves in recent years. The the Phoenix Suns have made a lot of interesting moves very recently, right, where you say, I, I don't know if I would do that. And I think the Kings have gotten better in recent years. They've sort of started to mm-hmm. make moves that say, okay, that makes sense. But for a while there, they were doing the opposite. Of, if I were to say do this, they would do the exact, the extreme opposite, <laughs> right? And yeah. so maybe there's a team out there that wants a, a really athletic uh small forward who can who can score uh and has at least some clay to be a defender even though he hasn't really shown it in the NBA maybe they feel like he's just stagnating in in a bad situation maybe the team has not been great and they've gone through coaches and they've gone through situations and it's really easy to talk yourself into making a bad decision especially if you're a team that's not getting the kind of free agents you want and you're not finding the kind of guys you otherwise would want to trade maybe Andrew Wiggins suddenly mm-hmm. looks more appealing so to me, the most obvious answer is, is find a, a team that needs a, a, a player who can score 20 points a game, who's a name, uh, and maybe they're not perceptive enough, the team, to, to understand that with his name comes a reputation that he's maybe not the most motivated player when it comes to getting better and being great. And that, that, I could be wrong on that. Maybe he is. Maybe it's just um, he is in a bad situation or, you know, not, not to say Minnesota's a bad situation, but they've had a lot of turmoil all the way from the coaching staff to the front office. And believe me, yeah. you know, the new front office, they, they're not beholden to Andrew Wiggins at all. They didn't bring him in. They didn't pay him. So they have no reason to hold on to him and every reason to move him. So I, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see what Minnesota does. Uh, I think that they're, they're due for a complete overhaul other than Carl Anthony Towns. They have some good pieces here yeah. and there, but outside of Towns, <clears throat> it's, it's really uh, time to rebuild. I I agree. Um, Tim, you have any questions yes. for Eric Pinkus yeah. here? Mr. Pinkus. Um, What's going on? Mark, what do you think, or is there a guy right now that's kind of the, uh, I don't know if you want to say the domino or the linchpin maybe, that's going to get the everything moving? Um, is it the Davis deal in L.A.? Is it Leonard maybe in Toronto deciding what he's going to do? Uh, maybe even the Warriors with their two guys who – could be hurt and maybe aren't even going to play next year. And are they going to dump, what is it, 61 million or some crazy number like that on those two right. guys? Is there, is there one thing that's got to happen to get the ball rolling? Or is everybody kind of an island under themselves these days? <laughs> well, everything's connected, right? And what you do is based on who you can get. The big domino fell. It just hasn't been executed yet is Anthony Davis. That was, was the huge, you know, the huge question. Uh, unequivocally, because if he goes to Boston, uh, the Celtics do everything they can to try to keep Kyrie Irving, and maybe there's some way of making that happen, right? But now 
he's not he's not staying. It doesn't look like he's staying anyway. Uh, AD is going to the Lakers, et cetera. And so the timing of how the AD thing works in, it will tell us how the, how there, involved the Lakers. What's that? Some, uh, sorry, is there some? I thought I'd read somewhere that there was some something about July first and July sixth. That was gonna that, that they had to get it done by a certain time, or it cost more money, or they lose. <laughs> exactly. Okay, could you explain that then? Because yeah, that's how sure. it kind of came. So, that's how it came across in the press, and maybe that didn't make sense. Right. So if 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 uh, any listeners out there want to read about it, uh, attached to my Twitter profile, pinned to the top, is an article I wrote a week or so ago uh, on what's next and on Anthony Davis and how it all breaks down. Right. What what are the numbers? And it, the the complexity is is that uh, you have to send out a lot of salary to bring in a guy like Anthony Davis to match salaries. When you trade somebody, you have to match salaries. Unless you use cap room. If you use cap room, you don't have to match anything. You could trade nothing, no player for Anthony Davis, and just bring him in, and, and that's a legal trade. And we see that all the time when we see guys that are dumped into cap room, and that's certainly a, a doable thing. I think we're seeing that with T.J. Warren's going to be traded to the Pacers, and they're not really sending any, any player value back because you're using cap room, but the challenge for the Lakers is they want to use that cap room to sign another star or multiple players. And so if that cap room is being used to take in Anthony Davis, they don't have the money to go as much money as they'd like to go after other stars. And so there were two solutions. And and what we wrote about was what I wrote about was one solution is doing what uh, the Timberwolves and the Cavaliers did with Wiggins, right? So, and and to get Kevin Love to Cleveland, uh, the Cavaliers signed, uh, 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 Wiggins, right? They signed Wiggins, then they waited 30 days. And what happens there is because when you trade a draft pick, they don't count as any money. So, for instance, if you trade number uh, four, Lakers trading number four to the Pelicans, that doesn't count as anything in salary matching unless you sign the player. Then it counts, in this case, at $7 million, but it only counts after 30 days because you can't trade a, a first round pick or a second round pick when you sign them for 34 days. And that's why the Wiggins trade and the Love trade took so long because they had to figure out all the all the logistics and then they had to sign Wiggins and they had to wait a month and then they were able to pull that trade off if you remember back then it was quite a an ordeal. Oh, I remember. And so I remember. <laughs> yeah, and so it could be a similar situation where the Lakers sign the number four pick, DeAndre Hunter, but now he's been retraded. He's going from the Pelicans to the Hawks, and I doubt the Hawks want to go a full month where Hunter misses out in, in Summer League, which yeah, Summer League games in and of themselves are not that important to a team, like wins and losses. But the time you get mm-hmm. with your young player to develop them, to start to teach them your system, to get a feel for how they are as a student when it comes to coaching, what's their work ethic, how ready are they to play in the first season, because that's going to indicate to the general manager, okay, I've got I've to slot some minutes here for this guy because this guy is going to be playing as a rookie. Or they say, oh, this guy's like two, three years away. Uh, we need to get a veteran. So it's, it, it informs the team on, on what kind of decisions to make. Not to mention that Solomon Hill is being traded from the Pelicans over to the Hawks. And so if the Lakers had, if they signed their pick, wait 30 days, now the Pelicans have Solomon Hill on their books for an extra month and they can't use that cap room over that period of time. So it, it, you, you, we talked earlier, you said like domino, are these things connected, et cetera. And that's an example of, of exactly where things are very connected. And so that's only one of the solutions, right? So Lakers can make the traders reported with the Lonzo Ball and 
Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart and they're number four and and they could sign the, that that pick and then wait 30 days and execute the trade as reported and everything's great. The Lakers can use their cap room, go sign a max dude, get it done. Except there's that delay, and so that delay may be uh, prohibitive. It may be something that Pelicans say hell no to, Hawks say hell no to, and so now where do the Lakers go? And the, the answer there is that. Uh, they have three additional players uh, who are second-year guys who have not really made an impact yet on the NBA, uh, but they're also not expensive. Uh, Tamario Jones, Isaac Bonga, and Bo Wagner, Bo Wagner being uh, the team's first-round pick last year. And if the Lakers make the deal on July 6th, which is the earliest that they can make it, July 1st is the start of free agency, or really June 30th now, but you can't actually make a, a – you can't. it's a moratorium. You can't actually execute these items until July 6th. So if they wait till July 6th and they include these three extra guys, now you're not using cap room to take on Anthony Davis. You're matching the salaries because these six players all add up to enough to take in Anthony Davis in a trade. Uh, the problem is the Pelicans probably don't want those guys. And so now it's up to Rob Palenka, general manager of the Lakers, to talk to the Hawks and convince them to take those guys and maybe they have to give up a little bit more, convince the Pelicans to work with them. And maybe no one wants to work with the Lakers here. Maybe it's a problem. But I'm going to assume that Rob Plinko, who's paid a lot of money and has a lot of experience in the industry, even though he's only been a general manager a couple of years, uh, but he's been a longtime agent, that he takes care of this and gets it done the way that best favors the Lakers. And what that does is it opens up the chance for them to spend almost enough, just a haircut, uh, like $32 million to spend on a Kawhi Leonard or a Kyrie Irving or whomever. Uh, and that's about $700,000 short of max, but I think it's close enough that you can make the argument that if a guy wants to come and play with LeBron and Anthony Davis and the difference is $700,000, that probably they're going to come and, and say, okay, I'm willing to take a little bit less uh, to make this thing happen. All right. Okay, and then I got, I got one real broad question, which you probably – which I know you I know you can't answer, but I kind of like your thoughts on it anyway. Uh, the salary cap in, in the NBA period, um, does it need an overhaul? Uh, I mean, from my perspective, it, there's always improvements that can be made. There's always well, aspects well, where it's the, the fail. That there's, that there's a cap, and yet it doesn't really ever seem to stop anybody from doing anything, which kind of was the point of the cap <laughs> initially. Well, I don't. I, I mean, I'd have to understand because teams are very severely limited in many, many ways in doing what they would like to do. Uh, if you're talking about the Warriors and what they did, that was a one-time uh, specific moment in time because of the jump that came when the TV deal kicked in that raised the cap some $24 million, which was unprecedented and it never happened. And the system was never built to accommodate mm-hmm. that kind of growth. So the growth that we had that I one think, year. Okay. Maybe, maybe I need to, to uh, get it a little finer then. Would you, would you be okay if they actually went to a hard cap? Uh, well, the, the players are never going to sign off on a hard, hard cap. So it's kind of a non-starter. They just won't do it. So if the league said we're only going to a hard cap, the players would lock out. The union would disband. They we'd would have the, lawsuits, and we'd have class action suits. We'd be watching the G yeah. League, would we? <laughs> yeah, well, the G League is functionally part or, of the NBA. So or even lower. We wouldn't even have that. Yeah. So now we'd be if you want to talk, though, but if you want to talk in theory of a hard cap, I mean uh, – there's advantages and disadvantages. You know, one advantage is, is that um, it, it, on some level it's an equal playing field, but on the other level, 
uh, you can't keep the teams that you build up. So the teams that do a really good job of developing a team, like the Warriors, mm-hmm. forget Kevin Durant, uh, the Warriors would never have been able to keep Draymond, Steph, right, and right. Clay. Yeah, with, with a hard cap, that, you, you got maybe and, what? And that's punishing them for doing a great job. And so it's the teams that don't do a good job, that have cap space and have done poorly, that get now their the fruits of another team's labor. And and let's be honest, like the 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 commissioner Adam Silver is going to say he wants parity on some level. He wants an even. He wants an even. And it's great, like that the Raptors and the Bucks and there were a lot of there are a lot of small market teams that are having success. And that's great for the league. And they, they need small market success. But more importantly, they need to have super teams. They need to have uh, star-driven star narratives. Uh, the Warriors and the Cavaliers was great for the NBA itself. Was it great for the Orlando Magic? Was it great for uh, who, who, any other team you want to mention that didn't really benefit from it? Uh, no. I mean, but on some level it is when you say, like, you know, the rising tide floats all the boats, right? And so the league is very healthy and bringing in money. There's a lot of revenue. Uh, it's a very strong NBA economy. The values of the franchises are through the roof. And so uh, if you look back historically through the NBA, right, you have Magic versus Bird, right? You have the Bulls as that great dominant team that dominated for six years, you know, really longer. But uh, you have uh, – the Lakers versus the Celtics uh, more recently, right? And then you had uh, the Cavs versus uh, Golden State. You have, to some degree, Miami-Dallas. Like, we had some or, – or Spurs-Miami. I mean, they're, they're, these storylines carry the NBA. And as great as the Raptors are, they're kind of like the Pistons of last last decade. Like, yeah, they won that one year, and that was fun, and it was a great year, and, and the league needs those – outliers uh, to give those teams that are smaller uh, in market or in situation that aspiration and that possibility that they can win. But I think by and large, a hard cap doesn't help all this. I think they need the super teams. They need some level of superstar power to drive the, the, the kind of the macro, the bigger picture of, of what the NBA is and what it's appreciated for and what fans like to see, even if they want to spend a ton of time complaining about how the Warriors shouldn't exist and it's not right. They're, they're tuning in to complain, but they're still paying their dollars. They're still tuning in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? True. Yes, I do. I, yes, I do. <laughs> I just always figured it was an area that you don't really hear a whole lot of people talk about. And I think the general normal run of the middle fan really doesn't because I'm one of them and I don't really understand the cap too well but it is awful helpful in understanding why teams do some of the things they do. If right. You right. Can well, see the finances, right. Right. The, the basic fundamental idea of it is that you want to get, there are teams that are going to have more resources than other teams, right? Like you can't, no matter how hard you try, Indiana is never going to have an ocean. Right. And that might be important to somebody to live by the coast, which is why some teams benefit like the California markets and, uh, to a degree, New York and whatever, or there, there's certain big city, there's certain endorsement opportunities. Uh, you know, we're all created equal in, in, in ideal and we should have equal opportunity, but we all, even John Wooden, that was one of the things he said, you know, great coach, 
of UCLA is that, you know, we're all, we're not equal in, in the gifts that we have. We all have different, we offer different things. We're not all clones, right? I don't think that's how John Wooden put it, but we're not all clones, but we should have equal opportunity, right? And so what the cap is, is to try to give teams equal opportunity. So for instance, uh, when Giannis came up for his first contract, the Bucks were always going to be able to keep him because of how the system works and how it favors to keep your rookie, uh, your first rounders. That's almost always going to happen. Uh, Porzingis, it didn't exactly happen. They chose to trade him. He was, you know, but not many players are willing to threaten to leave the NBA altogether and go play overseas. Uh, so the cap is kind of designed in some ways to encourage small markets and, and prevent bigger markets from outspending. That's why you have luxury taxes. And thing is, is a lot of times these luxury taxes aren't prohibitive in the sense that you can pay it. Like the Warriors are paying a ton of tax and they'll continue. If they keep this group together, they'll pay a massive amount of tax, but that's money that gets kicked back to the other teams. And so the idea is that there is a penalty and the Warriors can only sustain what they can do for so long. It's almost impossible to stop someone who has billions of dollars, like Steve Bomber, for instance, from outspending other teams. And no matter how much they legislate it, there there are going to be ways where there's always going to be an advantage. But those teams with hard caps, they're not hard caps, but luxury taxes, they have limits and how they can, you can't just pay anybody. You have to, you, all you have is minimum contracts. All you have is like $5 million in an exception. You have the ability to trade, but you can't, you don't have as much flexibility. Teams under the cap have a lot of flexibility teams that are over the cap, but not in the tax have a uh, very strong flexibility to match salaries and trades and teams over the tax have minimal flexibility. So it, it's all they could do is try to make it as restrictive as possible and as difficult as possible for the teams that have, that just want to buy championships. Uh, and then sometimes they put in systems that are intended to do that and actually hurt the process. Like, uh, like the Charlotte Hornets can pay Kemba Walker the Supermax. And that's a team that has no business paying the Supermax because, number one, Kemba Walker is a great player, but he's not your elite, elite, elite player that can carry you to the playoffs and to deep into the playoffs. And if they don't offer that, on some level they're not giving him the most that they could give, so maybe he's insulted and maybe he's more likely to leave. And I think to a degree that's why the Pacers uh, – got into the situation they did with Paul George, why the Spurs got into the situation they did with uh, Kawhi Leonard, and why the Sacramento Kings traded away DeMarcus Cousins, and we can go down the list. There are a few other examples where it's had the opposite effect. The Supermax was intended to keep help small market teams keep their guys, and yet, more likely than not, it's led to, to those kind of players go. And like the Wizards gave a Supermax to John Wall that starts this year, and the dude hasn't, hasn't played – basketball for like about a year consistently because he's been hurt so much and he then he tears his Achilles after he already was hurt so it's it's uh there's no magic solution on how to make a make it fair for every team uh I think the NBA has a good system and in some ways it's great and in some ways it's bad I think that's with most things in life is you know there's some imperfections but given that the league is so healthy right now uh for better or for worse, and, and you had the Raptors win a championship and the MVP is a, on, on a tiny market, maybe, what, the 26th, 27th, 28th smallest market, maybe the smallest altogether, mm-hmm. and that the defensive player of the year two times running is from France, and that most improved players from Cameroon, right? And 
uh, in uh, Pascal Siakam, the rookie of the year, is uh, Luka Doncic. You know, you have all these international flavors. They're all spread out on all these different teams, Utah being a small market or a relatively small market. So uh, I would say, by and large, the league itself is healthy, but you also have to have good franchises making smart decisions, doing the right thing. And even if you do, it's cyclical. There are times where you make the perfect decisions and the guy you draft ends up getting hurt, and it's just the way it goes. Well, I have three names I'm going to throw at you. And if, and I know just as a guess here, you could let me know maybe where you think they will end up, just as a a guess. Of course, nobody really knows. Uh, So we're going to just test the expert here. Uh, Kimball Walker, Tobias Harris, Al Horford. Where do those three guys end up in the offseason? Yeah, those are tough ones. Those are good names. Uh, so Kemba will get a lot of money offered to stay in Charlotte. He has a lot of sentimentality and bonds. And so there's still a, a reasonably high chance he sticks around. I think Dallas is going to be going after him. New York, uh, gosh, there was one other team uh, that – Maybe Sacramento. I don't think Sacramento. There was one other team I had heard that was going hard for Kemba. I think the uh, Lakers. Boston. Are, I heard Boston Kemba. was going to try and make a oh, move. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking. Because if they're losing out on Kyrie, Boston makes a ton of sense. Uh, because basically you're replacing Kyrie with a guy who's a low maintenance Kyrie. Uh, he doesn't. Kemba doesn't have the championship ring, uh, other than he has you know great college experience, but he he doesn't have mm-hmm. uh, the hardware when it comes to the NBA. But uh, Kyrie is great of a player. is has a reputation for being very difficult. Uh, not not that he's a bad dude in any way, just that he's a challenge to to work with, and he's he's very individualistic and does his thing. Whereas Kemba is is all about team and and is going to say yes and and do whatever you want and whatever you need from a star. So I think Boston makes a ton of sense. Uh, I think Dallas is interesting because you get to play with Luka Doncic and Porzingis, but I don't think Dallas is very close to being a contender. I think they're close to being a playoff team in a year or two, and maybe Kemba helps that. So uh, it's going to be tough uh, for him to leave. You know, if we have to make a wild guess and say, you know what, Boston, why not? We'll just guess Boston to be fun, but I don't I don't really have an answer there other than let's just okay. guess Boston. Okay. Uh, Tobias I, have a Harris, he'll, I think he'll stay in we'll Charlotte myself. I just think he'll I stay wouldn't in be Charlotte. I can, but anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, Tobias Harris, it, the, the Sixers are, are – there's a few teams that are completely fascinating, and the Sixers are one of them because they could easily end up with keeping the exact same team, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, rolling it back, improving upon it, uh, and, and trying to be a contender. And they're, they're on the cusp of it, but they just haven't gotten over that threshold. Or those two guys could leave, and if they leave, the Sixers have enough money to go after Kawhi or Kemba or Kyrie or someone else. So the Sixers could be completely at the table to go out and get another star. Uh, and it's not really up to them. Like, I mean, if they're offering to bring Tobias and Jimmy back, it, those decisions lie with those players. Uh, I know that the Knicks and any number of teams that needs like a good scorer who's also low maintenance. Tobias is another good dude. who He's, he's, he's a borderline star. He's not quite an all-star, but he's just a guy who – doesn't cause any problems, does whatever you need. And uh, to me is, is a team, uh, probably a player that someone's going to overinvest in because he's really, really good, but he's also not 
a guy who's going to – he's probably best being your third option, not your first option. So uh, with that, all that in mind, if the Sixers don't keep him, I don't think the Knicks should invest in him, and therefore I'm going to predict the Knicks invest in him. And uh, <laughs> let's, let's go Knicks if he doesn't stay with the Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gotta love the Knicks. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's pretty. Accurate. What was the third? Who was the third guy? You said three names. Who was the third guy? Uh, Al Horford. Oh, Al. Yeah, I really thought Al was just gonna opt in, and then then it was like, oh, he's gonna opt out, and he's gonna work a new deal with uh, Boston long term. I said, oh, that makes sense. They've done that sort of thing before, and usually they have good relationships with their players and their agents, and they're happy to work with Boston. But it does not sound like that's the case. Uh. To me, if the Clippers can get Kawhi Leonard, I think Al Horford is the natural next get. Uh, and what you have there is you have a starting center who can also play with Montrezl Harrell, uh, who is a really good defender and a guy who can stretch the floor or play inside. I mean, Al Horford isn't like a, a big hulking old school back to the basket center, but the league doesn't play like that anymore. And he's just – when you're playing in the playoffs, he's the grown-up in the room who knows how to make winning plays. And as as much as you want to look at the superstars, someone like Al Horford, Paul Millsap, these are the guys who get you wins in the playoffs. Uh, the Nuggets don't go anywhere without Paul Millsap. Uh, and I think Al Horford would be great for the Clippers with uh, Montrezl Harrell uh, probably coming off the bench still. Uh, and then you're adding in Kawhi Leonard. The challenge is they'd have to trade Danilo Gallinari to get there. But I think there's a market for him. I could see Utah. I could see Sacramento. Maybe Indiana, although you might as well keep Bogdanovich. Similar players and, and might as well keep the guy who's been great for you. Uh, I, I do think yeah. there's a lot of opportunity. It's the Clippers, but the, the you know we get back to one of those earlier questions where you know, what's the domino that gets the whole thing rolling, and Kawhi Leonard is really that because he stays in Toronto. The Clippers don't get Kawhi. It, should they be putting all their money into Al Horford at his age, because he is 33 or something like that in that range, uh, yeah, I would say no. So, I mean, if we go crazy and we say Kawhi to the Clippers, then I think Al Horford goes there. If, if no Kawhi, then Al Horford. I mean, there were rumors that Dallas were, was after him, but uh, maybe they're after Kemba. I don't know if that really makes sense for them. But, uh, again, the Knicks could do something like Horford and, and Tobias Harris, and that would be just, like, make no sense whatsoever. So, you know, that's a possibility. Uh, the Lakers actually could really use Al Horford, to be honest. Uh, if you have a front court of LeBron James, Al Horford, and Anthony Davis, and you have Kuzma off the bench, I mean, that's as good as it gets. However, you have no guards whatsoever. Uh, and so they would have to really scramble to figure out how to play. You know, you've got about $5 million left for a guard, and then the minimums after that, that's kind of problematic. Uh, so really curious. Those are good names because they're they're – they're key questions in this whole big puzzle, you know, in addition to the top guys, once you get past those top guys, it's those dudes. And then, you know, there's D'Angelo Russell and, and Julius Randle. And, uh, and I know I'm leaving out a few guys like Nikola Vucevic and a few others, but uh, very quickly yeah. you get through that list. And after you're through that list, then it's a matter of you're going for guys that you don't really want to pay that much money to who you've got to, you, know, you, you missed out. What do you do with your money if you missed out? Yeah. Um, Tim, do you have any more questions for Eric? I have one more that I want to bring up, but uh, yeah, if you have another, go ahead. Okay, I wanted to bring this up uh, since you cover the Lakers, and this will be our, our last question to you, and we appreciate all the time you gave us today. Um, 
There's a report with USA Today that ESPN is now planning to stop featuring LeVar Ball after a remark he made to Wally to Molly Krim, I think is how you spell her name, uh, or how you pronounce her name. Um, have you seen that or heard this, heard anything? I know LeVar is not – I know Lonzo's not on the Lakers anymore, but LeVar was uh, linked with the Lakers with his, uh, you know, crazy comments and things he would say. Have you heard anything about this, about ESPN not going to feature him anymore? Yeah, I, I saw that report, and I saw the clip, and, and he made something that could be interpreted as, you know, in some ways sexually suggestive. I, I mean, it wasn't, I, you know, it was it, I didn't think you know, it, it was wasn't, when I saw it. I didn't think it was. It wasn't blatant. I see where, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, 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 I don't know if he meant it that way or not. Um, I yeah. definitely could see how she, you, she took it that way, he and he, it. he made, and he made her uncomfortable by that comment. So I personally would say to him, like, okay, you made a comment, whether you meant it or not, it was, it could be interpreted in a way that made her uncomfortable. So you definitely owe the woman an apology yeah. because it, it definitely wasn't an appropriate statement. We all make mistakes and say things that we don't think are going to be. I mean, every day in our lives, communication yeah. with another human being is is not an easy thing. You know, I'm married. Mm-hmm. I'm married almost 20 years, so you know, it's like I say something and I have to clarify. Like, no, no, no that's not what that meant. Uh, and you're and married. We, you know, you, you have to clarify out. everything you say. Everything <laughs> exactly. you say. <laughs> and I don't mind that. I mean, whatever. You know, I I have a great relationship, and but it it takes work to to do that. And and when you don't know each other that well, certainly, you know, in this case, Lavar and whatnot. Uh, it, it could be misconstrued, and he may have meant it, and he may be have, have been inappropriate, or it may have been just a simple, honest mistake. People have use expressions. I've, there's another clip of him using it somewhere else, and it was nothing. I think it might have been, whatever. It, so definitely deserving of of an apology uh, to the woman. I, what was her name? Uh, Molly Krim was it? Yeah, Molly I, I don't, Krim I don't, or something like that. I, I'm not too familiar with because I don't. I, I unfortunately don't get a chance to watch uh, as much of the networks as I'd like, just because I'm too busy, you know, actually covering the, the team You're myself, not and I can't much, really trust me. Right. Uh, but um, but that said, no, I, I have no problem with. Um, I mean, there, there's no real reason to use Levar Ball on these programs other than he has a big bombastic personality. He's a lot of fun. I've had a chance to talk to him about three or four times, and he's he's really engaging and entertaining. Now, if you go by content and actual merit of what he's saying, I don't know if there's a lot there other than he just says a lot of big giant things that are very funny and silly, but I, isn't that like what 90% of like the is on TV these days anyway when it comes to sports and whatnot? People sure. saying big giant things that may or not be true anyway. And that's just not really my my bag. That's not my style. That's, so I, I don't I mean, if they don't want to use them, if they're not using them because of this, it, that's un- unfortunate. I don't think that's reason to, you know, blacklist someone because he made a statement that uh, I don't think was outrageous. But, he, you know, it's it's not like he, you know, put his hands or I saw some clip of uh, some some dude putting his arms around one of the Spice Girls uh, rear ends on uh, on one of these talk shows and he got kicked off the show. I don't even know what show it was like America's got or I guess not, it was like X Factor, one of those shows. It's not like he put hands on her and he, if he said something unintentionally or intentionally an apology should be enough, and I don't think he should come off the air for it. But that said, why is he on the air in the first place? <laughs> uh, Charles Barkley just said uh, two hours ago, uh, wherever LaBar Ball is, there's a village missing an idiot. Oh, wow. So, well, a lot of people I, are saying that they're – Yeah. 
comment as just a reason. They don't want him on there anymore, that's, and they're using it as a reason. Yeah, that's but then again, if, if you don't want I him on there, fair. don't book yeah. him. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, just seems like a uh, – just I don't know. Maybe it's be, maybe it's because of Lonzo now being in New Orleans. Maybe that's not the market that they're going for anymore. I don't know. But um, Eric, we really do appreciate you, man. Thank you for jumping on and talking to us. You were very informative as always, and really, uh, our listeners should be very grateful for everything that you brought us here today on this episode. Right, of Wyoming can't jump. Won't you let them uh, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and uh, follow you? Sure. And things. You can always find me on Twitter at E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. Uh, I like to respond as much best I can to people who hit me up, although when news is breaking, like in the last few <laughs> last couple of weeks, I haven't been able to respond as often as I'd like because there's just it's too many the influx is too much. Uh, also, Basketball Insiders is where I publish uh, a lot of information about what each team is paying each player and the salary cap, uh, so you can get a chance to look at each team's cap sheet and whatnot. Uh, Bleach Report is primarily my coverage of the Lakers uh, with some Clippers and some general NBA stuff there as well. And then finally, you can catch the Hollywood Hoops podcast. Uh, we're on every uh, – we, we publish every Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, usually late Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning. All right. Well, thanks again, Eric. We appreciate your time, and we will talk with you again very, very soon. You bet. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure was ours, sir. And that was our car- our conversation, I'll get that out in a minute, with Eric Pincus from NBA TV, and he also does B-Ball Insiders. He's a capologist, talks about the Lakers for the Bleacher Report. He's a jack-of-all-trades. And we thank Eric and Jacob both for coming on with us tonight and talking about the NBA, the draft, and free agency. But we also want to take this, take this moment to remind you that Stay Classy Meets at stayclassymeets.com you can still use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. Independence Day's right around the corner. Hurry up. Order now because they'll get it to you in time. This is your last week to order for the 4th of July. Go ahead. Order the good stuff. Stayclassymeats.com, folks. The hamburger, the bison burger, the steaks, the just anything you could want. The sausages, the chicken. It's all so, so good and fresh and not frozen. They ship it to you. It comes in a nice uh, container. You unbox it, and it's there. And you can almost take it out of the box and just throw it into the grill or the smoker, the pan, whatever. It's great stuff. I highly recommend it. Well, I wish I could say the same. (laughs) (laughs) But, again, definitely head over. Stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code WIDEMAN. Save 10%. The bacon is a sneaky product because it's sneaky good. Go get it. Stayclassymeats.com. Use promo Cla- code WIDEMAN. They be classy at stayclassymeats.com. Oh, definitely. Check them out. All right, Tim, we're going to look at the NBA free agency tracker here, and we're going to look at some of the news that's going on, uh, some of the reports that I've been seeing. Uh, Sacramento, the Harrison Barnes, will not opt into his new deal. Uh, Kent Bazemore was traded from the Hawks to the Blazers in exchange for Evan Turner. Evan Turner headed to the Hawks now. Uh, the Mavs are reportedly interested in going after Patrick Beverly. And 
Kim Birch from the Magic has got a qualifying offer from them. Eric Bledsoe has signed an extension that will keep him in Milwaukee. He will stay there. Bismack Biombo uh, staying a Charlotte Hornet. I believe he took um, an offer they sent. Jimmy Butler has drawn interest from the Houston Rockets. Uh, that's something I want to bring up before we get out of here. Uh, Vince Carter has reports uh, that the Knicks are interested in him. Willie Cauley-Stein wants out of Sacramento. So we haven't heard much on that front, but he wants out of Sacramento apparently. So more on that as it develops. Durant declined. Kevin Durant declined his player option, so he will explore free agency now, even though he's injured. Um, Channing Fry recently retired. He's hanging it up. Mark Gasol has accepted his player option. He will stay in Toronto another season. So good news there for the returning champion, Toronto Raptors. Al Horford declined his player option. He is now gone, and he will be leaving Boston, reportedly. Kyrie Irving is not opting in with Boston. Nothing surprising there. Wes Suwindu had his option picked up by the Orlando Magic, so he'll be with the Magic again next season. Emil Jefferson received a qualifying offer from the Orlando Magic. Tyus Jones got a qualifying offer from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Kawhi Leonard has declined his player option. He will test free agency now. We'll bring that up again as well, Tim, before we leave. Chris Middleton is also going to be a free agent, unrestricted. He is testing the market. Uh, Nikola Mirotic actually is very high on Dallas's radar, so the Mavs reportedly interested in Nikola Mirotic. Markeith Morris has going to sign with Oklahoma City, so that's news there. Dirk Nowinski has retired, in case nobody knew that. Jaleel Okafor's option has been picked up by the Pelicans. Suns have made a qualifying offer to Kelly Oubre. The Wizards have declined Jabari Parker's option. Uh, the Mavs are looking to sign Kristaps Porzingis to a max contract. So Porzingis could be getting the max deal from the Mavericks. Julius Randle declined his player option, so he will test free agency. So New Orleans could reportedly lose Randle, depending on what they're after. Uh, Milos Teosdik is done with the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, don't know where we'll see him again. He may go back overseas. Nikola Vucevic, the Kings and Mavericks are both after him. He may stay in Orlando. We don't know yet. Dwayne Wade retired. Um, we talked about Kimball Walker earlier. Hassan Whiteside has opted in to his deal. And DeLon Wright has received a qualifying offer from Memphis. Those are really all we can really talk about now. Um, Aaron Baines is going to stay in Boston from reports there. Um, Joran Drogic is staying with Miami, reportedly. I'm um, just looking at a few more here. Dwight Howard will be back next season with the Wizards. And I believe, Tim, that's about it. Patrick Patterson is back with the Thunder. He will stay there. And Jeff Teague, apparently, unless he's traded, will be in Minnesota next season. And Marvin Williams picked up his option, will stay in Charlotte. So that's the free agency tracker uh, update as of right now. Let's go ahead. And there was another update as well. Let me, uh, I just saw this on Twitter earlier. There was an update. The Pelicans have declined to extend the qualifying offer to Stanley Johnson. So Stanley Johnson will now 
become a unrestricted free agent. So the Pelicans are really shifting gears in New Orleans. They're going younger. You know, you got to find some space and money for all them newly acquired bodies. We'll see what they do. They may be actually trying to go after a max player uh, oh, because I, they're going to have enough room to do it. They may bail out a few few guys or picks, and that is possible. Although I don't know, I'm not sure who really is a fit over there. But well, let's go ahead and bring it up here. Jimmy Butler, the Houston Rockets are reportedly offering up Capella. They're offering up Eric Gordon. They're offering up P.J. Tucker to try and make room so they can sign Jimmy Butler. And as I stated on Twitter this week, those are two teams that absolutely deserve each other, the Rockets and Jimmy fucking Butler. What do you think, Tim? Well, you know how we feel about Jimmy Butler here. I I just don't understand. And there again, maybe coming at it too much from the fanboy end of things, but I don't know why anybody wants it. I just don't get it. Well, there's reportedly tension between Chris Paul and James Harden. Um, I don't know how real that is because some people are now saying that that's bullshit, that they get along great. Um, There's reportedly tension there. We don't know. Uh, They want to bring Butler in, but then you're going to end up with Paul and Harden and Butler. Okay, cool. Um then who do you have left? You got a bunch of, you know, vet minimums, a couple of, a couple of exemptions, and you could run into the same problem the Warriors run into. If one of those guys goes down, you're screwed. You have no bench. You have no help for Harden. You have no help for Paul or Butler, depending on who it is. And we've seen Paul. He's been hurt a lot in the past few seasons. Butler came off that injury um, when he was in Minnesota. Harden stays pretty healthy because he – I don't know how – because he's constantly falling down, even though he's never touched. Um, I don't know. It's a mystery. They're still trying to make it work in Houston, but um, I don't know. It, Butler I mean, may help, but from the Butler I, side, I don't know. what does? I mean, do you, is Houston more attractive than Philadelphia? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, I don't know if the Rockets can only pay four years, one hundred forty mil. Whereas Philadelphia can pay him five years, 190. Well, Butler's proven that it's not about money. Butler wants to win. The only problem is Jimmy Butler can't get past the second round of the playoffs, never has been able to. I'm not sure what his role is if he goes to the Hawks or to the Rockets. You mean the Rockets? Yeah, I'm not seeing what his role is there. I mean, Jimmy Butler is the kind of guy who's going to watch Harden throw up 80 shots a night. Mm, I don't know. I mean, Butler's proven, I'll give him credit, he has proven that he can be the second, he doesn't mind to take a back seat. But, no, but there's taking a back seat and then there's taking a back seat and doing nothing. Uh, yeah. Two different I, I, mean, I mean, who knows? Maybe these two, they may know each other. I, I don't know. Maybe there's more, you know, you can never rule out I mean, because let's be honest, I mean, Philadelphia, what was looking like the place to go 12 months ago is kind of looking like the place to run from again uh, as they continue to do crazy and wild and wonderful things there. Um, I don't yeah. know. Maybe he, want, maybe he just – maybe that just isn't a good fit for him. And 
And uh, although I've never heard Jimmy in the same breath too, I've never heard Jimmy Butler or Jimmy Butler's people say anything about wanting to go to to Houston. That's this true is all too. Just, this is all just you know, the press thinks this would be a place for him to go. So yeah, you know, right? yeah. And then there's the uh, the rumors of Kawhi Leonard possibly going to the Clippers. Uh, what do you think on that as a as a guy in Canada? Oh, that's why I, I always I, I think I told you that was maybe off show, but uh, yeah, he, he did what he did what they wanted him to do. He did. They knew they knew this was a possibility from the minute they signed him. Uh, am I still on? Did I lose you? Yeah, that was me. Sorry. Uh, okay, sorry. Um, they knew that from the minute they signed him that that was a possibility and that it could happen. And because they knew that, they should be prepared for it. I don't know what the plan will be if he leaves. Yeah. But they should have one because they knew it could happen. Um, if you know what, if he goes to the Clippers, he's earned every – he's earned the right to go do whatever the hell he wants. That's true. Brought, Very true. He, yeah, he brought them a title which nobody – let's be honest, nobody really thought was all that possible. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I did. I just didn't maybe. So he did that. So he may be, that might be what he does for Toronto in the league. And it's up for the Raptors to try to figure out another way to do it without him. So yeah. I mean, um, if he goes to the Clippers, I'm okay. It's the Lakers like he can't go to. Again, I talked about D'Angelo Russell and my Wolves potentially making a play. There's also been reports Tobias Harris is possibly could end up in Minnesota. Um, I don't know how we'll get Russell, but Again, it remains to be seen. Free agency is uh, next week. And I do want to bring up Kevin Durant. I think he's New York bound. Whether it be the Knicks or the Nets, I think he's New York bound. I figured out the Kevin Durant thing. Go for it. Well, this is just simply Kevin Durant can stay in Golden State and make $30 million next year. Uh huh. Or he can go somewhere else and make 40 Or. You can re-sign him and pay him, uh, I believe it's 55 for an extra year. So he, he he has basically just made the move to yeah, make I might more money. In, I might stay in Golden State, but they're going to pay me. Um, and anyone else who wants me is going to have to pay me. And that's yeah. just the way it is, and I don't care. And you know what? I guess, I guess you can't guy. blame a guy. Yeah, he's another guy who's earned that right from, you know, he's put himself in that position by being a pretty damn good basketball player, winning a title. He's, I mean, arguably what, at least, I mean, top five when he's healthy anyway. Uh, Teams will take take the ringer, and he knows that the very least he's going to get paid $40 million next year to not play, more than likely anyway. Or not yeah. play very much, maybe near the end. Of the I, I don't think he. I don't think you can rightfully put him out on the court next season. I just. I don't, I don't think so it. either. But you know how that works. But regardless, he's going to get paid forty million dollars to play nowhere, or fifty-five million to, to stay in Golden State and not play. So yeah. he can't. He can't lose. And he'll true. Be, he's going to make decide, some cash. And he'll decide where he goes. It's a no. It's a no-brainer. Can't blame him for doing it. Uh, is what it is. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for Wide Men Can't Jump tonight. We've discussed a lot of things. We've looked into free agency, talked about the draft. Summer League's coming up soon. 
Looking forward to that. Uh, do want to bring up Monday, not Sunday. We've decided to go on Monday evening. Will be the free agency show where we talk both hockey and NBA free agency. We'll give you all the up-to-date uh, happenings with the NBA and free agency from the biggest moves to even some of the small moves of guys you don't hear a lot about because that's to me that's just as interesting as the big names moving. So I'm gonna well, we're gonna do that Monday evening. Well, uh, we'll probably stay around eight or nine o'clock Monday evening. We'll decide Eastern time. We'll be live and you know. We'll be talking about that. So look I forward do, to that, uh, Tim. I should have added, though, Nate, that if uh, Kevin Durant was uh, a Patriot, he would move to Minnesota for $5 million a season. <laughs> if he was oh, he would be a, a great Patriot. Great Patriot, indeed. But uh, <laughs> I do want to, again, thank our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, cambay.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, at facebook.com slash Atomic Comic and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meats, stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code WIDEMAN to save 10% on your order. And again, guys, check out WIDEMANCAN'TJUMP.COM for uh, more updates, things of that nature. And uh, go over to Patreon. Support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WIDEMANCAN'TJUMP. Again, our interview with Jack Doan will go up on July 1st. We got an interview with Jimmy Jacobs coming. We got an interview with uh, Bobby Blaze and Dan Severin. There's going to be so much stuff coming to Patreon that we want you guys to check out and um, and help us out. Little, little Cade need new shoes. Yeah, really. My son's growing and needs new clothes, so help little me little out here. Little Cade need new shoes. Uh, Uncle Tim need, need, need some more. Uh, oh, Uncle Tim really don't need nothing, but that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> I think of something if you support uh, us on the Patreon. And, and TR, well, you all know about TR, right? Well, TR. You know, TR. I mean, that's a walking charity right there, let me tell you. <laughs> but we do hope you guys enjoyed the show this week. Uh, I had a good time, but I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping we can get back next week. We'll have the free agency show coming your way on Monday. We'll talk way more about free agency next week, um, and we'll get a little preview of probably Summer League, and uh, we'll look around, see what's going on NBA-wise. It's going to slow down a little bit. Um, uh, once free agents start, we'll get follow of uh, whatever Bell is playing in Australia. Or Ball, <laughs> sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> Lamello, I believe, or Leandro. One of the two. And the other one is playing in the what? The Drew League? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't keep up with them. The other one, well, uh, the other one was in the Drew League, right? Yeah, you might be in the Drew League. I can't remember yeah, well, right offhand. Yeah, I, I believe so. But of course, you know, if uh, uh, and Lavar just this tidbit before we leave, Lavar does not think that the Lakers should give up any idea of uh, reacquiring Lonzo or keeping him, I guess, because he hasn't technically left yet, I suppose. And signing yeah. the other, he figures it should be a, uh, I think it's Lamelo is the one that they think is going to be half decent. Him up front yeah. with David and. Uh, and uh, LeBron and the other two ball boys on the point, on the guard, and uh, that's that's the team that will win LA the titles. <laughs> well, well, we also that. aren't going to have to hear much more from uh, from Levar Ball these days either. Um, I don't okay. I don't think For what sure he said was intentionally bad, but I'm I'm glad they're getting him off TV. So that's all that yeah, matters. Yeah, that's a whole other story. I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. our uh, comic. We talked about it with Pinkus, Mr. Pinkus. I've got a Levar Ball. Uh, you know, like a Funko Pop 
That's just, that's just one big giant fucking head. Little arms oh, yeah. little legs. And you can just take a nail and poke it and it deflates and then you blow it back up. Definitely. But again, thanks guys for listening in. We appreciate you and we hope to have you guys over. The Canadian this is coming out. I apologize for everyone. I'm sorry, <laughs> yay. But we hope you guys have enjoyed the show. And we hope you guys come over to Patreon and enjoy some stuff there. Again, July 1st, look for our interview with Jack Doan. You're not going to want to miss it. Over 90 minutes talking wrestling with Jack Doan. And uh, we'll have some more headed your way in July as well. So check out patreon.com slash jump. And uh, we'll be back on Monday to talk a little more about free agency in both the, NF- the NHL and the NBA. And, of course, don't forget, uh, there's going to be some in- NFL talk coming soon. It's a possibility I could be drunk that night. It's Canada Day. (laughs) Very true. All right. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. Don't forget to like us and uh, at Wide Jump on Twitter. He's at Tileman68. I'm at MMITM Nathan. At Wide Jump again on Twitter. Check us out on there as well. Thanks for all the love that we've been getting on there lately. Really appreciate it. Tim, send us home. Uh, First, you take the I-90 to uh, Tuscaloosa. You hang a right. Uh, you're going to drive for about six miles on the interstate until you hit uh, Man, I believe it is. And then you, you do, a, I think it's another right. And uh, you just go up the highway there until you see a bunch of Chick-fil-A's. And then you know you're in All the right. land. Then you know you'd be in the land of Nate. And you'd be home. Peace, brother. The land of Nate, believe. <laughs> I love it. Uh, good good night, everybody. Here. I ain't even gotta say it, that's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Static, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at WideMeanCanJump.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts. They're available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Men Radio Network.